Hello and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast where we confess with St. John that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're your hosts. I'm Thomas Lemke. And I am Pastor Eric Brown. And uh, we are here back again, uh, about ready to finish the Gospel of John. Can, can I give the announcement where we're going to go next? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. Make it happen. Did you like uh, in talking, uh, Thomas and I decided that we're going to end up, after we finish the book of John, we're going to go Old Testament. We're going to look at the book of Judges, which is a, a great book, many famous stories on it, but also just some wonderful theological insights and also just observations about life in the world. So we'll we'll head there. It'll be fun. Uh, I think we might move a little bit more quickly through Judges than we do through John, simply because... I mean, you don't have a lot of Jesus preaching in, in Judges. Yeah, a lot so, less exposition, a lot more narrative. But but if we're going to get there, we're going to have to dive on it and, and, and get at John 21. So are there any other random things that we should think about before we dive into John 20? Nothing One. of uh, enough importance to, to delay us, so I say we, we jump in. The Cubs won. All right, so so let's start. Uh, Would you uh, start us off with John 21? All right. Uh, So then, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, this is one of the things where you you had a, an end at the end of John 20. Then you have almost this tacked on. Oh, yeah, again, another time. Duh, duh, duh. After this, Jesus revealed himself again. So so this, I, this is sort of attached on. But there's something to note about it here. What's the significance of the disciples going fishing? I mean, it's a reversion from their fishers of men aspect, maybe. They were called out of fishing to be fishers of men, and now they're going fishing again. Right. They're, they're like, okay, what now? Uh, and when Peter says, I know, I'm going fishing, that, that's not just I'm bored and killing time till Pentecost. Let, let, let's go back and, and spend the day fishing. It'll be a nice day of vacation. No, no, no. This is, this is well, I, I guess we go back to our old jobs now. They're, they're lost. They're confused. They were... The, uh, they're, they're adrift. And so they said, oh, well, we'll just go back and try the old stuff. And, of course, as they go out and try the old stuff, how does it work? Uh, very poorly in this case. We caught squadoosh. <laughs> we caught nothing. So, but basically, it's, oh, I guess we go back and get the business together. And so that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're attempting to go back to life before Christ. And it's still not working out well. So, if you would, then carry on. All right. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. 
The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. All right, so let, let's take the picture. You have Jesus show up on the shore and go, you, you caught anything? No. Well, throw it over the right side. Ginormous catch of fish. And what does John bring out? Uh, yeah, I, I, dude, it's the Lord. We put two. Now, have have we seen a story like unto this with John and and Peter and Andrew and such before? Yeah, in the synoptics, there's the account where Jesus approaches them and they're doing the same thing, and ultimately, uh, Peter confesses his his sin before the Lord and and kneels and all that good stuff. I believe. If you want to think about it this way, in many ways, the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the synoptics. It, they say it begins with the baptism, but right away, one of the first things he does is call the disciples. You get the miraculous catch of fish. Lord, we toiled all night and caught nothing, but at your word we'll sit down. Oh, well, depart from you, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Yeah, exactly. And then you have John closing the gospel with the miraculous catch of fish. Now, I should say another miraculous catch of fish. Mm-hmm. I, these are two different occasions. Right. But but do you see how they're, they're kind of make some nice little symmetries? Like, yeah, I'll tie on into the synoptics. I'll, I'll be nice, throw everyone a bone. And, and I love Peter's reaction. He's naked. Well, because, okay, when they're stripped for work, they might be wearing, because, I mean, you're, you're out in the sea. You're not, he throws on his clothes and dives into the sea because he's going to go gonna go up to Jesus. So he doesn't want to approach Jesus not dressed. <laughs> but generally, generally, the reason you didn't wear them because you were on the boat and it would get messy. And, and so, so Peter is not having exactly a calm, rational reaction. Mm-hmm. Look, it's Jesus. I'm going to go swim to him. And he dives on in. And and everyone else gets left to to deal with the the fish. So so do you see how this is kind of ooh ooh hey in, in the synoptics when Jesus sees the Peter sees the miracle he he says depart from me for I'm an unclean man. This time when when Jesus sees the miracle he wants to go to Christ he dives on in and and, and starts swimming. But as we'll see something doesn't quite fill up. If you want to continue, sure. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said, Okay. Okay. Cool. Now, now I want to note something. Do you remember how at the resurrection, beginning of John 20, when Peter and John go to the empty tomb, John's the one who gets there first, but he kind of waits and is hesitant. Right. Peter charges on it. This time, Peter has dove in, dove in the water. He's swum to shore. Has he struck up a conversation yet? Not that's recorded, no. So this time it's Peter who gets there first, but he's the one who's waiting. And then John comes on up and, oh, oh, okay, I guess I better go help bring the fish in and, and stuff like that. So so you get, again, almost a, a parallel to, to John 20, the, the, the opposite kind of happening. Mm-hmm. All right? So now you can continue on with Jesus. All right. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. What's the importance of it being the third time? The witness. Yeah, so I mean, it's just, okay, 
let me make sure. Yeah, this is real. This we we, we don't even need to ask. We don't need to have Thomas doubting anymore. We we no no. We 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 see that Jesus is raised from the dead. And so even though the disciples are kind of fearful and doubting and confused as to what's going on, Jesus is there. That that's an established fact. He is raised from the dead. Now, do you have any thoughts so far about the setup? Um. Who who lit the fire? Who who put all that together? Not that it's necessarily super important, but I would assume Jesus has yeah. been there the, preparing the, this. The way I've normally got it is that Jesus is just going around his business. Well, what's going to be time for breakfast? The sun is shining, and 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 yes, fish was a common breakfast back then. Sure, so I'm like yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go I'll make him some right. lunch, yeah. some <laughs> brunch, some breakfast, whatever. You guys, <laughs> you guys got any fish? Because I mean, it's time to eat, man. Got some here, but it's not really going to feed all of you, so use some now what what do you make of the the number that john gives why is that something that he actually records for us do you think um i don't know i think it's just a a, yeah it's a big amount it's it's plenteous amount i've not really heard any great significance to 153 or 153 i yeah numerologically speaking i don't see any either but he gives a number for some reason I don't know. You have the divine in the middle of the number for the Torah. I, uh, with, I, uh, but, sure. but, but I, I think that's a, a, a stretch. I think I think it's really just look. Yeah, yeah. I was. This is a real thing. This no. We, we, we count it. One hundred fifty-three <laughs> fish. I mean that, that that's a good night's haul if you're talking about goodly sized fish, not, not minnows. So, all right. Well, shall right. we carry on then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. So verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. I want to pause there. Sure. Um, so, uh, Thomas, what, does, does three times Jesus, being, Jesus asking Peter if he loves him, does that remind us of anything? Well, beyond that- the, the witness aspect that we brought up a while ago, uh, it does remind me of one other incident, which was uh, Peter's witnessing to a uh, Eighth Commandment breaking fact that he did not know Jesus. Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times, so Jesus asked Peter three times, which is why that third time Peter gets, gets how does it put it, what was grieved. Mm-hmm. Be- because Peter's putting two and three together with, well, well I guess it would be one and <laughs> one, two, two together, and sorry. <laughs> One and two together here going, okay, okay, this is this is reminding him of his sin. And yet, even though Peter is a sinful man, even though there is that idea of, oh, good night, I messed up greatly, does Jesus say, get out of here, Peter? No. Or or Mm-mm. go back to fishing, Peter. No, he says, no, 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 your job isn't isn't the boats anymore, Peter. Your job is to feed my sheep. Now, now remember, Jesus is the good shepherd. He, he's the one who, who who makes us to lie down green path. And he says, no, no, Peter, now you're going to be doing this. You're going to be doing 
the teaching, the preaching, the instruction, the, the baptizing, the, the, all that stuff, that, that's going to be to you. And so it is a, a, a wonderful, even as Jesus holds his sin before him, says, no, there's forgiveness, now get to work. Which is actually the way God always does it in the Old Testament. When, when Elijah is freaking out, and, and runs to the cave and, and, and uh, oh, it's terrible, God, I, I'm the only one left. Well, all right, Elijah, no, you're not. There's still 6,000 who haven't bent the knee and go ordain a couple of kings and get your successor and get back to work because go do it. I, I'm not going to chide you about freaking out. Just go, okay, yeah, you freaked out. You're forgiven. Now go back to work. And, and that... That really is kind of the, the the Christian ethos. It's a matter of, yeah, you messed up. Okay, get forgiveness and get back to work. Go 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 about your life. Mm-hmm. Your your sin does not suddenly mean, oh no, you have no more vocations and you aim. No no no. If you if you mess up, apologize, get forgiveness, and go on. Get mm-hmm. back to work. So, what do you think of that? I think it's time for the break. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, if I went too long, I apologize. We'll no, go to break and then get back to work. All right. And we are back on the Gospel Bully Podcast, and we're to the part of the show that we will call the Backwards Life, where we, we take a, a random, pithy Christian idea that gets tossed around and we don't really think about, but we're going to take a backwards look at it, a look at it from a different angle and see what we can learn. And so, Thomas, today, what is the, uh, the, the phrase or idea that we're going to consider? In the book of Ephesians, you have mm-hmm. Paul writing to parents that they are not to exasperate their children. Right. Currently, my son is doing more to exasperate me as I hear him screaming in the other room as his mother looks at him so he doesn't interrupt in here. But... Flipping that around to, again, Paul's exhortation, what do you make of that from a backwards life perspective? All right. The, the idea there, that's a very timely one. <laughs> uh, the, the point that you get there is that having kids, being a kid is hard enough. Mm-hmm. It is difficult being a kid. Think about when you're you're super little, you can't walk right, you're constantly bumping into things. Then you get older and you still can't do what you want. You have limits. Your, it, it, it's 20 years of, well, 20, oh no, 18 years <laughs> of, of, of facing limits, pushing out limits, trying to figure out how to transition, how to grow into an adult. That's hard enough. Mm-hmm. So rather than making that transition and growth difficult, especially because they're annoying you and you want to do <laughs> something, just rather than exasperating your children, your job as a parent is to help them grow easily, make make that transition better find find constructive ways for them to to vent out or to to explore constructive ways to push boundaries and such like that so so rather than than making growing up harder make it easier now having said that how then can we apply this lesson to a, a younger audience, because I mean, let's face it. I mean, we're 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 dealing with many high schoolers and and college age students, mm-hmm. and 
most of you probably don't have kids yet. So what I will say is just keep this in your back pocket for when you do have kids. Mm -hmm. Your your job is to serve them and help them grow into adults. I think coming at the other way for for those who are still under authorities, as it were, uh, think about the challenges you face in your own life, the difficulties that you come across. And try to remember that they might be opportunities for you to grow and mature um, rather than getting frustrated. Th- this is something that 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 comes up. It was a, a pithy saying from a, an LWL thing that, that I heard, I don't know, like a decade ago. But the phrase that we should have opportunity eyes and, and the idea is like that, that you should have whenever you're going around, you should try and find opportunities to share the gospel or, or whatever. Uh Rather than looking at just in terms of when can I share the gospel, everything that that gets put into our lives is an opportunity for growth, for our own maturation, for our own development. Um, we we talk about exercise. Well, how, okay, Thomas, I, I know you're in nutrition, but let's see how you are for for health and diet. Mm-hmm. How how if you want to go bulk up, if you want to go put on muscle mass and you exercise, what are you literally doing to yourself? Breaking yourself down and then through the uh, concept of hormesis, your body will build itself back up stronger, better, faster. <laughs> Everything that comes along in your life that that is hard is really also an opportunity, a chance for you to grow. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you have friends who are doing something strange, don't exasperate them, but rather use it as an opportunity for you to show better care and compassion. Mm-hmm. If you have an assignment that is hard and brings about wailing and gnashing of teeth, don't <laughs> don't use that as a woe is me, but use it as a chance to test yourself to grow. Because again, that there is this idea of of maturation is learning to to deal with more and more of of things that come down the pike. Uh, there are things that I deal with today that that would have blown my mind ten years ago. And some of the things that that make me go all ah, today, you know, probably in five years will be old half. Fair enough. And, <laughs> and that is the way of life. Yes, indeed. So, all right. Wonderful. So, so does that kind of work for a backwards approach to life? Yeah, I, I approve. All I right. applaud. All right, Thomas, read read the rest of Jesus' quote to uh to Peter. Remember, Jesus just said. Uh, Jesus just said, do you love me? Yes, I do. Feed my sheep. Da, 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 da. And right. finally, he says a third time, feed my sheep. And then he continues. Okay. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Now, Jesus makes an interesting point. When you were young, as you were now, you were the master of your own domain. You you were a businessman. You got to do what you want. You you threw on your clothes and jumped in the sea. If you wanted to be a foolish guy, that's perfectly fine. (laughs) You, You were in charge of yourself. But you're not anymore. You are going to follow me. 
You're, you are called up to active suit duty. You are appointed to an office. You're going to be preaching. You are, you are called out of darkness into my marvelous light, and you're going to follow me. You're going you're gonna to pick up your cross and follow me. And, and for, for you, Peter, that's going to be literal because that, that phrase, stretch out your hands, was a, a Jewish euphemism for being crucified. Gotcha. The, the Romans will stretch out your hands. That's what they'll do to you if you keep that talk up. Because when you're crucified, your arms are stretched out. Yep. And so he says, I, I, I'm not going to soft sell you, Peter. That's going to be all sunshine and, and roses. It, it, no, it, it's going to be a hard thing. And in fact, in the end, you are going to be crucified. But I'm putting you to work. You're not aimless anymore. You are my servant. You will go and feed my sheep. Follow me. Mm -hmm. Follow after me. Follow in my train. So does that kind of work there? Yep, works for me. What What, what do you think of this whole scene of the interaction between Peter and Jesus here? Because because you'd have Peter in clothes that are still, not, if not sopping wet after breakfast, still still drying. Peter's got to look a mess. Jesus is calm and collective, and it's just kind of this yeah. back and forth. I, what do you I make almost, of it? I almost see. I mean, initially Peter's exhilarated in a sense, which obviously proved by the fact that he jumps into the ocean, swims to meet Jesus, even though they're not that far off. He swims, a, a, what, 100 yards or whatever they said. Pretty darn quick there. Mm -hmm. um, but then that gives way seemingly pretty quick to this anxiety because Jesus is bringing up his, his incident with the, uh, the denial and then mm -hmm. following that up with more bad news, which is, dude, you're going you're gonna to meet the same fate as I made prior to my resurrection. But then he, he caps it all off at the very end again with this phrase, follow me, which maybe you could talk a little bit more about how that sort of turns the conversation from um, one of anxiety to one of hope. All right. Um, okay. The Think about the the weight of of fear and indecision and uncertainty that's on Peter and the disciples mm -hmm. that that's the image we get when we're starting off with with uh chapter 20 or 21 sorry and you have all this fear and doubt you have Peter's own fear and doubt about his own relationship with Christ because I mean I, I denied the guy is he gonna take me back you have all this fear and doubt and Jesus brings it all up and says no no that there, there isn't doubt here's the way it's gonna go you are going to follow me um how do you follow someone you walk behind them in a sense I mean if you're all being right. extremely literal if you are following someone whom do you have to pay attention to them, like that old follow the leader game you played in right. school. Yeah. Do what they if, do. If we're doing follow the leader and I'm the leader and I'm walking this way and you aren't paying any attention to me. You lose. <laughs> right. right. It, I, I, I've got a preschool here and, and we, we have chapel. Mm -hmm. and, and then they line on up and they have to walk back. And it's amazing how often the line will get messed up because one of the kids started going, whoa. Da, da, da. So, so really – in that follow me, Jesus is refocusing Peter. You you don't need to wander and, and look around and have the answer for everything always is look to Christ. So that that follow has that that idea of looking to Christ. In fact, uh the, the Greek word for it is akolometha. That and it's got that ako, that 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 hearing idea. So more the follow by listening. 
followed by sound and stuff. And so you, you, I'm reminded of Hebrews, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's that call here. So, so you have Peter all over the place. Yeah. All right. No, no. Quit, quit going all over the place. Look to Christ. Follow him. Does that make sense? It does. And I would say too, it seems as though in a, in a sense, this is something that might be echoing around in John's mind, this incident, when uh, he writes his epistle and says, you know, if we are united with Christ in a death like his, so too in a resurrection like his. And in other words, Peter very explicitly here, Jesus tells him, will be following Jesus in a death very much like his. But so right. too, the hope is the resurrection that follows that. One of the things that is interesting is there there's some debate as to when John 21 was written. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think it's written right away. Some people think it was a later edition, uh, almost a, a, an, a way of honoring Peter after Peter has died. Some kind of epitaph or something. Yeah, yeah, or, 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 or yeah, I'll, I'll throw on an epilogue as an homage to my friend, mm-hmm. is what some people almost, almost think. And it can work that way because the, as the later hist- uh, folks know, yeah, yeah, Peter did follow him even to the point of death and he was crucified and th- that played out. So, and then we're also going to get after the break a little bit more on, on how, how that does plan out. But there, there is this, this just, beautiful, simple direction and focus and look to Christ. We, we don't need to get, we have so many voices telling us to look to here, do this. To, to, I, I just did a preaching for the last Sunday of the church, second to last Sunday of the church. Uh, look here, there he is. No, 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 just, just look at Christ. Keep yourself focused on his gospel, his, the preaching of forgiveness of sins, which implies two things. If I say your sins are forgiven, I've implied one, that you have sin, and two, that it is forgiven by Christ. That's where our focus is on, on that whole beauty of what Christ has done for us, and that's where we stay. Not running back around doing things cattywampus like they were tempted. No, you're going to follow me, Peter. So, and any final thoughts there before we uh, skedaddle to the break? No, it seems like this is a good enough time to close up this section. I know we're going to be dabbling a little bit further in this conversation between Peter and Jesus on the other side. So so that we have enough time to do that, we'll go ahead and jot away now. All right. And we are back on the Gospel Boldly podcast. And now now I will admit there was a rumor. I heard a rumor that 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 Jesus would return before we finish the Gospel Boldly podcast on John. <laughs> um, but but we're going to clarify that, that that that's not necessarily the case. And, and for those of you who know the end of John, this is me making a joke about the end of John. So let, let's go on and explain <laughs> the joke and, and read on so we can, can get to that. So, so if right. you would start up again. So then, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? All right, just, just pause there. All right. So, so think about it. You have Jesus doing this great, wonderful interaction with Peter. And it finally ends up with, yeah, and you know what? You, you are going to be martyred. Follow me. And what's Peter's reaction? What about John? How's he going to get it? 
and, and, and th- th- this is kind of humorous. That th- this is a, a. All right. Well, well. If I'm going to get pasted, is John going to get pasted too? <laughs> and so there's the, this this humor. Okay, Peter. All right. And and then you have you have Jesus giving kind of a saucy answer in reply. Okay. Jesus said to him. If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Stop looking at John, Peter. I'm talking to you. This is about what you, <laughs> quit worrying about what everyone else is doing or isn't doing. Do your own job, all right? So again, in just a general sense, this is also a happy reminder to us as Christians. Uh, Thomas, can you uh, sometimes be over-concerned about what someone else is doing when you have absolutely no control over their actions? Oh, for sure. For sure. Don't don't waste your time doing that. You 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 can't control things that you don't control. Do what's on your plate and then stick with that and be happy. Now, here we actually are going to get a wonderful lesson in exegetics. Now, okay. if I say exegetics, what what is exegetics, O Thomas, for the the audience at large? A proper interpretation of scripture that is deriving the meaning from it as opposed to reading something else into it. <laughs> how do you, how do you take your how how you take the words of scripture and and read them rightly? Not not bringing in your own presuppositions, not not adding stuff, not importing meaning, but but how do you rightly understand what is written? Now you have Jesus say, if he's supposed to stay till I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Continue on in John. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Now, note, there is a strong focus on let's look and see what Jesus actually said. We're, mm-hmm. what, what did he add? He didn't say John was going to live until I came back. He said, if he does, what is that to you, Peter? So, so. Okay, don't don't mistake what Jesus said, because they had that rumor. Oh, he's got to come back before John dies. No, that's not what Jesus said. Now, very quickly, Thomas, uh, how did this rumor spread? If this gospel is just being written now and it's addressing the rumor that's already spread. Well, the story could have been circulated even by John himself on one hand, and maybe John wouldn't have added the the, the note, hey, 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 in the sense. But the disciples around surely heard as well and may have uh, spilled the beans. <laughs> now, now, I will you, – you, you laughed when I told this story, when, when, when I, I went over Peter's reaction, right? It, it's a right. funny story. Do, do people like to tell funny stories? Of course. Yeah, so they're telling the story because it's funny because, yeah, there was a time Peter, Peter got – got told off a little bit by Jesus. kind of You're funny. Right. Like, well, how's John going to die? Well, well, didn't ask about your brother, Peter, but you asked about John. Okay, all right, that's fine. But then that simple story spread and you have rumors get started over and above it. And, and keep in mind, this is important because John is the last of the apostles. For around mm-hmm. 30 years, he's the last living apostle. And John keeps getting older. So do you see how the rumor is he's going to show up before John dies? And good night, John's getting old. Do you see how that that? Could, <laughs> and, and so part of me, my, my theory is that I, this is my theory. This is speculation. I cannot prove it. You are not bound to it. But my idea is almost basically John 21 is the last thing John writes before he's exiled to Patmos. It's like, okay, I'm going to add my little I'm, – I'm going to clear up loose ends – and, mm-hmm. and now we can go. 
because the loose ends I want to follow up is quit speculating, quit worrying about going to your life, go follow Christ, just like Jesus instructed Peter. And two, mm-hmm. I can die. It, it might happen. <laughs> so so don't like freak out about that because that's not what he said. And when I'm gone, you guys, I, I don't want this rumor to go while I'm gone. So listen, I can die. Yeah. I can rest in peace. And Jesus will come back when he will because he said no man knows the day or the hour. So just chillax, people. All right. right. John out of here. Mic drop. And off the bat. <laughs> well, actually, actually, finish off the book. Okay. Uh, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw this. It's true. And I could write more, but I'm not. Drop the mic. Boom. I mean, so, so it is kind of a John out. All right. Boom. Very much so. And, 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 and this is also, this again, this is my speculation why I, I think John 21 was added. Because it looked like 20 had ended and like, and then you get, well, what about this? What about this? What? All right. Here you go. Here's some more stuff. And that's it. Because you know what? I can keep writing for the rest of my life and it still won't be enough. So just take this and be happy. I, <laughs> I, I, I hear a little bit of, of happy exasperation. I hear a little bit of, now get off my lawn. Right, right. So, which, which if John is the old guy, I could see that. Go away, kid. You're bothering me. Just, you got what you need to know. Now go do your stuff. Mm-hmm. So that that's how I, again, I, I tend to take a lot of, of humor from the Gospel of John. I, I am amused by it. All right, Thomas, we've got some minutes left, and we have finished the gospel. Wow, we did a whole chapter quickly. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, so what what are some overarching general thoughts that you get from the gospel of John? Having gone through this book, if I say the gospel of John, what comes to your mind now? Well, one of the first things to me is how well it's all put together. The, the structure overall, it seems to me that the, the general, um, I guess, narrative and everything that went into it would have taken John— every bit of the, the 30 years he had post, post other apostles to put together. I mean, it's just like he has, for instance, the seven I am statements that he, that he sprinkles right. in there at appropriate times, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's just very well narratively um, put together. It, it, it is polished. He knows what he's doing. And, and again, that's one thing that I, I do think is nice to bring up. Uh, John has a theological structure and a mm-hmm. the, he's organized very theologically. He's not trying to present a chronological depiction. He's not trying to give you the full history. He's not, he's not going to redo what Luke did. He's not going to redo what yeah. Matthew did. But no, he's going to go and approach this in a very theological way. And what he shows is Jesus remains who he is all the way through. And over and over again, the question is, are you going to freak out over him? Or are you going to say, all right, what you say goes? And and, and he shows all these different situations where people end up having to interact with Jesus and he doesn't meet their expectations. He doesn't give them precisely what they want, whether it's the woman at the well or, or Nicodemus or, or the, the people in Jerusalem after he heals the blind man, the people who get fed the 5,000, uh, the feeding of the 5,000, all those folks over and over. It's never Jesus being quite what you'd expect, not quite what you want, but it's, no, I, I, I'm, I'm the Jesus you need. Now, what are you going to do about it? That, <laughs> what, balls in your court. 
and actually that that sounds kind of bad it's all right now now follow me and you you get peter with the great response to that jesus says are you you guys going to leave me now too but lord to whom shall we go you have the words of eternal life mm-hmm. so a lot of of john in fact i i'm thinking about this too especially with that correction at the end about oh he's going to come it, it, it's curtailing our expectations and letting Jesus be the one who defines who he is and what he does for us, and learning to see that that actually is good. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of make sense as a, a summation? It does, and it brings up another question, too, which is, this this gospel gives us Jesus through the eyes of John as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how how John viewed his Savior. We've, we've heard a lot in the book about the relationship the two had, uh, the relationship that John and Peter had, the relationship between the other apostles and Christ, so on and so forth. But in terms of how John himself, as an individual, outside of any other capacity as apostle or anything else, views our Lord, what is that, what is that like? How does this book show us that? It's a very humanizing book. I, this book is very strong in the incarnation. Jesus is not the, <laughs> the uber mentioned. He's not some type of person who's just unable to. John's really, this is not me denying that Jesus is God or anything like that. Because John is over. But but th- this is my friend, man, that I'm talking about. Th- this is a real person with whom I hung out, with who I, I interacted. Mm-hmm. Here's some of the jokes and, and smart smartly things we said to each other. Here's the the the, the very human moments that we witnessed. Are you two going to leave? John, take care of my mom. Think, so So you get this very personal, personal accounting. Um, sometimes we can almost set up an artificial distance between us and Christ in the sense that that, that they almost become the, the actions that are, are larger than life, things that are, are, are so wondrous that they seem... I don't want to say falsified, but 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 almost beyond our legendary, her overly heroic. Uh, well, one time he, the gal was healed just by touching the hem of his cloak. Whoa! <laughs> Whereas this is almost a little bit pulling the curtain back and saying, "Well, yeah, yeah." I mean, you have all these wondrous things happening because of who he is, but but he is in addition to true God, true man. He mm-hmm. he, he 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 wasn't afraid to throw Thomas some shade. Hey, yeah, you need to come here, put your finger here, Thomas. All right. Oh, 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 now you believe. Okay. So, I mean, it's a very, it's very good at reminding us that these things are real, that it's not meant to be just legend. And I actually think that's very, very appropriate for John, because again, if he's the last apostle, you're getting to that point where you're starting to to lose the eyewitnesses of, of Christ. Right. Uh, one of the next leaders after John was Ignatius of Antioch, who was martyred right around 110 AD. And, and the the pious legend about him was that when Jesus took a little child and put it on his lap and said, "Look, the little oh that that, that was Ignatius." Well, whether mm-hmm. or not it was, it's basically. You're getting to the end of people who even might remember Jesus as a child, right? And so you're you're moving beyond the people who had experience of Jesus, true man in his full. Yeah, we we hung out, and we ate, and we we told stories around the campfire, 
And so I think John includes, and again, that's some speculation, John includes so much dialogue, so much back and forth to show the the real conversations that that Jesus got into, the real situation. You get you get a lot of Jesus' personality coming out in this more than you do some of the other gospels. Is that fair? That's good. It is. So I've got one final question for you along those lines. We have received this testimony from John as he's just finished telling us in the in the text here. What do we do now? What do we do now? Well, the the, the happy one would be to follow him. Is that what? But, <laughs> but I mean, it's yeah. one of the things where where John works as a good corrective. I, I think really you can think of John as the gospel of the incarnate. There's a reason the traditional reading for for Easter Sunday isn't uh, for Easter Sunday for uh, well for Easter is John or or for Christmas it, it's John. It's not the angels and oh thing. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's this is the light of the world who came into the world. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So what I would say, the, the big thing to remember from John is that remember that that your Lord and Savior isn't just some mystical force. He is a very real person. And, and you know what? John had an awesome time chatting with him. And guess what we have an eternity to look forward to? Yeah, yeah. We're going to get to have conversations with Jesus, and it's going to be cool. Why? Because you're forgiven. Because... He, he desires to have this relationship with you for all eternity. That's the point of the gospel. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. Not just existence, but you, you get to live in his name and with him. Conversations are more to come. And that's a mic drop. All right, let's close and go. Adios. See ya. See ya.